Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're pretty messed up, man! Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Pretty Messed Up PMU for your face. Uh, I I don't know why. I'm AJ McLean with my amazingly beautiful co-host, Cher Bear, Cheryl Burke, and my other brother from another mother, Renee Elizondo. So this is interesting. Uh, So we, we took Cheryl golfing for the very first time. Uh, and which by the way was a blast and, uh, cannot wait to tell you guys all about that awesome day, but it's really interesting to me that we take Cheryl golfing for the first time. Literally, you can't turn on the news right now and not see Tiger Woods after his, his car accident. Thankfully he is okay. Uh, and then we've literally had our guest, Rachel, you could tell, booked for the podcast for weeks. It's a little weird uh, really and a weird. little bit ironic that all of these things have kind of intertwined. And here we are today uh, with I won't Rachel, be golfing again in this lifetime. That's so weird. <laughs> and and do you know how you could tell we we didn't plan plan? I mean, that we planned all this. Um. Never mind. <laughs> I know what you did. I saw that. What? You, you I said love you, Renee. you could tell how no, you could tell. I, I swear you could tell we planned it. Oh, I, I did it again. With you guys are so oh god, we funny. are so <laughs> why so, we planted this. Is okay, that what you're... so um, really quickly, uh, I think it would be interesting because we we were asked three of us to go through a quick little survey of forty questions. Um, in regards to sex and love addiction. Um, and I'll just go first and say there were out of 40 questions, I answered nine yeses out of 40 yes and no questions. 
And I think it's interesting because, again, if I would have taken this survey 10 years ago, hell, even five years ago. Six months ago. Six, no, not six <laughs> no, months ago. ago. Five years ago, <laughs> it would have been significantly different. But I think, you know, taking it now, 14, almost 15 months sober, life is a little different in the way that I look at things and, and especially the way that I look at myself today. Um, I had to do it. So. I actually did mine with my therapist because I was like, it brought up feelings, you know, Renee, like when yeah. all these feelings I had, especially from age 13 to 30, it like were, it was put into words and it was crazy. Started bringing oh, sure. up well, do you know, weird feelings. Just like anything else, right? Uh, sex, love and relationship addiction. Uh, it's a need, a very strong need to for validation, for company. Uh, that that line comes to me, you know, how empty of me to be so full of you, right? right? So reading those 40 questions, I can honestly tell you guys, I'd lost myself completely into the Janet Jackson planet. There was no me anymore. It was all her. In fact, I remember uh, one time thinking this, that like if her and I ever break up, I have no reason to live. That was the emptiness that was me. So drugs and alcohol kind of work to kind of, I mean, um, to not feel that kind of pain. Thank How God. about before her, though? So before her, there I could go back to a relationship I was in. I won't name names, but, you know, the, this girl cheated on me. I got back together with her. She cheated on me again. I got back together with her. And the final time we broke up, she broke up with me in front of her new boyfriend. Literally, she said, Renee, meet Tony. Tony's my new boyfriend. Tony, meet my now ex-boyfriend, Renee. And for a long time, that fueled me. I was like, I'm going to prove to her. I'm going to show her that I'm going to be successful and blah, 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 blah. And and it, it really drove my life for a very long time. So then when I got together with Janet, it, I, I then easily just got swept up into the Janet... I didn't want people to know my name. I wanted her to have a, everything, the credit, the this, the that. And so sex, love, and relationship addiction, defining ourselves by someone else is a thing. It's a real thing, and it ruins people's lives. And in a weird way, it was comforting to understand that other people, because I, I, I thought I was weird, guys. I really did. <laughs> like I thought I was abnormal, and I thought, like, this is a... Like, I didn't know because I couldn't put into words, but to read this, there was a weird comfort knowing that there's a lot of people that go through it. The yeah. bingo. That's You just hit on why being in recovery works. The minute you find out you're not the only one, because these are things we kept as a secret in Demons, just between secrets, our ears, yes. right? And so the minute you hear someone else say something you've thought, you're like, oh, I'm not the only one. And then especially when you hear someone that says, I used to feel that way, but I did A, A, B, and C, 1, 2, 3, 4 through 12, whatever you want to say. And suddenly you see that they're living a different life. They're mm -hmm. no longer consumed by what others think of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where, that's why sense of mm -hmm. community, like I, I used to think I could heal on my own and I proved that was impossible. But now I got you, I've got AJ, we've got our 
circle the wagons crew we've got and there's not one way there isn't one way it's different for everybody and it's a multiple of things right there's like meditation but knowing you're not in the boat by yourself is so key yeah it is important it's there's so much relief we're all in this together yes totally we're and it's nice when you meet someone else right isn't it awesome when you meet someone and you go wow they're pretty messed up (laughs) yeah I think, like, cool I think it's a cool thing. I think it's the new Yeah, home. that's what I mean. That, that, yeah. How totally. boring would it be to f- meet somebody perfect? I actually choose not to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Plus, yeah. It, they don't exist. You actually are pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> that, even more messed up. <laughs> exactly. All right, you guys. So uh, we are going to bring our guest in right now, uh, Miss Rachel. You could tell uh, we are definitely going to dive in and just ask. Ask anything and everything, man. We're going to talk about sex and love addiction. We're going to talk about Tiger. We're going to talk about all of it. So, Rachel, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pretty Messed Up Podcast. Um, Just so you know, uh, we started this podcast because literally all three of us have face-planted, crashed and burned, scorpioned ourselves, and have basically found a way to come back out the other side uh, through 12-step program recovery. Um, and we are obviously huge advocates from, uh, to help spread knowledge about mental health and addiction. So that's what the show is about. Uh, we are definitely honored to have you. Um, I just want to preface before we get into anything, um, anything that you are comfortable talking about, great. Anything you're not comfortable talking about, do not hesitate to let us know. And uh, this is a comfortable space and we're all going to just have fun and explore. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're uh, we're all three of us are pretty much an open book. So we're you pretty feel, messed up. Yeah. Feel free to ask us anything, too. We are literally an open book. And, so. and I want to say one thing, Rachel, welcome to our podcast. And if this gives you an idea of how excited we were to have you on and hour and a half ago, AJ and I are sitting in front of the computers, <laughs> headphones on, launch Zoom, and we're we're looking at our watch and we're like, man, people are five minutes late, 10 minutes late. And then it, we said, what time were we supposed to do this? So basically, we've been sitting in front of the computer an hour and a half ahead of time yeah, because so. we're so excited uh-huh. to have you on. So welcome. Yes. We nice to ready. meet you, Rachel. Thank you for doing <laughs> Thank this. You. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I'll start just by, um, you know, for anyone that may or may not know, um, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about kind of your backstory in the sense of, you know, the um, addiction space and kind of your story, you know, where you were and where you are today. Um, or, you know, how, how things were for you at their worst, per se, and then now where you are today. Sure. Well, um, I um, am a recovering love addict and love addiction is, um, you know, what I would say the most interesting of of addictions because, um, you know, people will um, make fun of it or say it's not real because um, they will say that to have a true addiction, you need to have something that's tangible, something that you can really see. Um, and you have to have something that, um, you know, uh, that you can say you snort off somebody's stomach or you're, you know, that, that right. you can actually um, have and hold and, and be um, accountable for, right? So um, mm-hmm. I don't, I am actually not 
um, a drinker or, you know, a smoker or, you know, somebody that has ever been addicted to, um, you know, a substance, so to speak. And so because of that, I've gone through my life sort of having to um, not, uh, it's been really hard for me to figure out what the problem is, why I've, I've always wanted to go down one path, but not be, I haven't been able to keep on that course. And therefore I, I didn't know what was wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have really had a hard time staying, um, on the right path with finding happiness, finding success. And it's been really hard for me to, um, to find a, a reason for what the problem was, so to speak. And I think that all addictions really stem from, you know, something in your past and something you haven't dealt with in your childhood. And I think that anyone that has gone to rehab has learned that same scenario, that when you haven't dealt with your childhood traumas or things that have ha happened in your past, then you are going to continue your addiction or you're going to keep falling into the same sort of patterns because you haven't dealt with your traumas from the past. I don't know if that's something that you guys no, have. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Causes I mean, and conditions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, for for someone like me, you know, I'm a alcoholic, drug addict, you know, um, never really knew uh, until I started doing the steps and really started getting into recovery where a lot of this stuff came from. Because at the end of the day, the drugs and alcohol were not the problem. Right. They were, you know, a symptom of the problem for me. Symptom the real problem stemmed from abandonment issues and, you know, uh, right. uh, piece of shitism, as Renee says a lot of the times of, you know, not loving myself and, you know, bending over backwards to make people like me, obviously because of what I do for a living. Um, in case you're not aware, I'm one of the, the five Backstreet Boys. Um, we've My been favorite. a band for 27 years and, uh, we're this little band. You might've heard of us. Uh, but you know, always being in, in this, you know, limelight, you, you tend to lose yourself and you don't know who you really are. And I was unable to separate Alex, which is my real name, from AJ, which is this persona that everybody sees on stage and sees on billboards and all this shit. So like, yes, you're absolutely right. The bottom line is there's a lot more to it. And even on the love and relationship side of things, like you said, people don't necessarily associate that as someone who's not active in that in that disease, they don't associate that with addiction because you've, you've, you know, oh, so you're a love addict. How is that being an addict? Because we are looking for mm -hmm. something to fill that yes. void, to fill that hole, to fill what we didn't know was wrong with us per se. You know? And after right. taking the test, I don't know if you've taken the test, um, but we just, we basically, like for me, I've never really understood what love and sex addicts, like what does that entail until we had Brianne Davis on last week, who has been very open with her um, recovery and addiction. And I, t I took the test and I might as well just let you guys know I did it twice, um, <laughs> pretending that I was like 13 through 32 before I started my recovery. And before therapy, and then I did it again now, right? So 40 out of 40 questions, um, the first 13 through 30 version of Cheryl, uh, that was 39 out of 40. And then um, present moment, I think it's 12 out of 40. But like at the end of the day, 
you know, I still, I have to catch myself in the act. Like I still get like, it's almost like it's a bad habit, right? Like it's so much easier to go to than having to basically reprogram your brain and be mindful of what you're doing and make these decisions that you mentioned, uh, Rachel, that, you know, like sometimes you just don't know why or like, it's just a lot harder to do this, you know, as far as um, reprogramming goes. But are you in a program currently? I'm not currently. I work with an amazing program um, called Transcend Recovery um, to help bring people in and help that. I think that they're a great program. And, um, you know, I recommend that program for anyone that is looking for help with love and sex addiction. Um, uh, but I, I constantly go back to my own notes. Um, and I have a book that I, you know, I, I use all the time and I keep by my bed of my own notes of where, where I've, um, where I've gone in my own head. And, you know, the first time that love addiction was ever brought up to me was when I went on celebrity rehab with Dr. Mm -hmm. Drew. Mm -hmm. And it's no secret because it was filmed, but he mm -hmm. asked me to be on. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. What would my addiction be? Um, and I went on the show, honestly, because, um, you know, it was after, it was right after the Tiger Woods scandal. And I literally was hiding out in my house and my name was all over the news and my face was all over the TV screen. And I was so isolated and I was so, um, it, it was like you were talking about AJ, like all these feelings were coming up for me, right? So not just about what had happened, but like inside, you know, you turn out the lights every night and you're the one with your head on the pillow, right? So you have all these things going on. And it was, um, rejection, shame, anxiety, fear, anger, um, criticism, um, all these things going on. And then a narration that the media was putting out about me um, that you can't argue every single thing that everyone's saying, right? right. And then, um, but within myself, all these things are happening. And um, you I just know, got chills, by the way, I'm saying it, all that. It was just so much going on within me. And then there are all these propositions coming to me. It was, I, my phone rang and it was literally Donald Trump saying, I'd like to have you on The Apprentice. And I'm thinking, oh, what a great way for me to go out there and not have to talk about what happened with the Tiger Woods scandal, but I can have people see who I am as a person and I could show how smart I am. I'm a businesswoman and they can literally see who I am without having to be like, well, let me tell you the truth about what happened. And I'm not a mistress and I'm not a, I'm not a waitress and I'm not a this and I'm not a that. So people can see that I, you know, I'm a capable human being, right? So I agreed to do that show. But in the meantime, I still was isolated within myself and I'm still turning on the TV and it's all anyone can talk mm -hmm. about. And I get a phone call from, you know, VH1 and they're like, well, we want you to be on Celebrity Rehab. And I'm like, that is so dumb. No, I'm not going to do that. But I was so up can i say that sorry yes yeah, yeah. please um, you can say it again and, you can say it again if you want <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i it. was going to sleep with you know um two pills of ambien a night and i was you know taking you know uh anxiety you know self-medicating mm -hmm. and i was i and i was alone and i was desperate for friends that didn't know me because everyone thought they knew me right and um I was just desperate and I didn't know who to talk to. And anyways, I took a meeting with Dr. Drew and he sat across the table from me. And I don't know if you guys have 
met Dr. Drew, but his yes. the best part of Dr. Drew is that he sits across from you and you are the only person in the room. Totally. Yep. And it's going to make me cry just saying it because I still have that relationship with him that he looks at you and yeah. he sees you and he I knows. Just, I heard your guys' interview just recently, actually your podcast, the, and it is beautiful, your re- your relationship, like yeah, in a very platonic, like totally. Totally But platonic. yes, and but he, yes, I hear you. From that moment, he just got me and he was like, Rachel, I don't care about what happened. I don't care about any of that. Like, you need help. And like, you have love addiction. And like, you're, this has come across your life forever. And forget this relationship, but like, there is a path that you're going on and you are going off the edge and you're like in a car and it's going off a cliff. And like, something happened in your past that you keep getting in these relationships and forget this relationship, but like, you are, you need help. And like, like, can I help you? Let me help you. And I, I was just like, forget the apprentice, forget this. I just took his hand and I'm like, okay. But then going into um, the rehab with him, I remember sitting there and being like, this is so dumb. I'm not going to sit there with Leif Garrett, who's, get, who's getting off of heroin addiction and like all these other guys, Eric Roberts, who's like all up from his stuff and, you know, and say, oh, I'm a love addict because I thought it was ridiculous. And the three weeks that I was there, I really came to realize that this is, it, it really, well, it screwed up my life, but it really screws up people's lives. And if you look around and you read what's going on in the news, politicians, um, athletes, you know, so they don't many even know news, yeah. it's screwing up their lives. And it's, they, they represented a sex addiction and then they checked themselves into a sex rehab just to make it okay, right? To, but people don't really realize that love addiction is a really big thing and it really makes you veer off course. And to answer your question, AJ, from earlier about myself, when I was younger, my father died when I was 15 of a drug overdose. And that was my first experience with the man in my life who's supposed to love you unconditionally. I didn't get that. I didn't ever experience that because I lost that at a young age. And when I was 12, my mother admitted me into a therapeutic boarding school, um, the same, similar one to the one that Paris Hilton went to. And I Mm -hmm. was there for two and a half years and didn't get out. And I was emotionally abused for two and a half years. And it was at that school that um, that my father, that I found out that my father died. So it was a very, I had a really rough upbringing and I was brought up like an orphan very much. And, um, because of the, and then I, you know, and then I was in, you know, then, um, my fiance was killed in the world trade center. So the first man that I fall in love with when I was 26 years old, I think I'm getting, um, my whole life is going to change. And I finally found this man that's going to fill that hole, you know, cause you're constantly chasing this hole that you, yep. you're, you don't want to be abandoned. Like you said, you know, the sphere of abandonment that, um, you know, is then murdered by terrorists. I mean, how does that happen? You know? And then I changed literally Rachel, 26 years old and I changed. Rachel, yeah, you I said, thought. sorry, sorry. Yeah. I read, I read about your, your, um, fiance. I'm so sorry that happened. Um, you said something that was really important two things you've said a lot of important things but two things that i wanted to mention was one is how people perceive love addiction right like for a long time people made fun of people with fibromyalgia right because they they couldn't diagnose it right and they thought it was on your head and then with love addiction people just think oh you're just making excuses right but you're a hundred percent right that that 
makes people take their own lives. That makes mm-hmm. that ruins lives. That that an makes, invisible disease. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. it makes people you know end up in a fetal position. But then you said um, that you feel when we don't have that self validation we're always going to be looking for it elsewhere, right? Which is part of what we all share in common here. For me, drugs and alcohol made me feel like I fit in, right? I didn't have to hear that voice. I could I could just quiet the voice that used to tell me I wasn't good enough. Like AJ said, you know, that piece of shitism voice. And so for me, anyone that suffered from addiction, I instantly feel this sort of like, commonality because mm-hmm. i know that love sex love and relationship addiction is every bit as powerful as gambling addictions as drug addiction as all these other ones but for some reason people do s- seem to categorize um maybe shop shopaholics right like oh but you're yeah. you're not you're That's not, not in, a problem yeah you're not injecting yourself with heroin or workaholics. It's like, oh, come on. In fact, people love workaholics because they get so I'm much done, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. codependency, let's say. Uh, we all love codependence. I'm also pe- that. Pe- <laughs> uh, people pleasers, rescuers. It's like, oh my God, they, they want to help everyone. So it seems, but I've seen them end up uh, committing suicide too, you know? Oh. So I'm, I, I, I just wanted to say, yeah, I understand that feeling you had during the Tiger Woods things. So I, w- I was married to Janet Jackson, right? And we, we got divorced and, and there was there was this whole thing where I was the bad guy, she was the good guy, and I had to deal with that in a, and find a way to deal with life the way you did, right? You didn't go in looking for to be diagnosed with anything. You just were lonely Things were swirling. People were saying things about you that aren't true, all that stuff. So I can relate to that part of it. Um, And I'm so glad that it led me to a program where I could heal, like you said, from past experiences. My, My issue started way before I ever picked up a drink or a drug. I didn't touch it till I was 30, but I was already trying to fill that hole you're talking about, you know? So I'm just so glad you're here and you're another proponent to let people know there's a lot of disorders. There's a lot of different ways people need help. So even though your past is, you know, obviously complicated and difficult, it does help to hear your story. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. I think what's also really um, something that I really truly admire about you in just reading about things recently um, about you and like I've seen the Tiger Woods documentary and all these things is that where you are today, you know what truly defines you, but you had to go through a process to get to that place you are in today of, you know, no, like knowing that for some people out there, they will forever associate you with X, Y, Z. I know I've been in the same scenario where whether it's something I did horrible in my past or it's something, you know, uh, whatever it is um, mm-hmm, that will always be attached to me, no matter what I do, no matter how great I do in life, no matter how many other things I do that are the polar opposite, there's still certain things that will always come back up. You know, 
I, 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 I talked to a, a couple buddies a couple days ago saying that we were going to have you on and about love addiction. And they were like very confused thinking, oh, that's, that's just a girl thing. No, it's not. It's guys and girls. It's got. Yeah, I think it's the sex part that gets confusing, right? People think it's like you're a porn star. You're like sex addict. Like that's not what we're referring to. I mean, I am a hundred percent love addict over here, you know, because I'm the kind of person that, you know, I was in a relationship with a girl years ago um, who suffered from epilepsy. And no matter what, even though the relationship at moments was very toxic, I felt the need to stay with this person because I wanted to rescue. I wanted to help this person and it had nothing to do with the actual relationship anymore. Now I'm hanging around putting myself through a very rocky, unstable relationship just to try to save someone. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's not healthy, but that's what we do as love addicts. We, you know, one of the many things that we do when I was at my worst, you know, there wasn't, as much social media there wasn't all these outlets of of ways for people to kind of pry into my private life and i feel like if if there was something like that i don't know necessarily if my wife would still be with me if i would have even been able to get married i don't know if if anyone would even want to touch me with a 10 foot pole knowing the type of person I was when I was active in my disease, which is not who I am today. But, you know, I was a bit of a nightmare. You know, I can attest to that. Yes, I know you can. Okay, you guys, we will be right back with more from Rachel. You could tell with uh, some pretty important and compelling messages. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. 
they burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back on iHeartRadio, a pretty messed up podcast with the Rachel Yucatel. Um, so before the break, I rattled off a bunch of stuff to you, and I am very curious to see what your response is um, before we move on. So can I, sure. can I, can I just say this? We, we, um, one thing we say here a lot is one thing is to get into the program but when we finally get to that place where we can say and mean i made a mistake i'm not a mistake are you there that's a really good question um so i like to think of it well i have to remind myself um that what happened was um in the past and it was part of my story right and I think that um, I have to remind myself of that a lot because people um, take a lot of time reminding me um, of what I did and having a lot of anger towards me, like I did something personally to them and having a lot of anger towards me um, with venom like they know me. And that really hurts me. Um, and so I spend a lot of time taking myself out of that and, and reminding myself that um, to not live in the shame of, of a lot of things and, and reminding myself that um, things that I've done in my past are part of my story and they're what happened and that I, I need to remove myself from that. I was just going to say recently there was the documentary that sort of brings it back up, right? And then there's the accident, which brings it back up. I like to think of it as opportunities for spiritual growth. Absolutely. You know, it's easy to fall into the, I failed, or I am this person, this label that people are, you know, saying, but really we wouldn't be here today, like the four of us even, just talking about this and bringing awareness and all of that. And it's it's just the perspective, right? Like I've tried, believe me, I'm not the... I'm a girl who likes to look at the glass half empty. Like I'm not that like positive chick, you know, I'm very, I'm much, very much a realist, but like lately I've been trying to change my perspective and I find that what helps is instead of regretting or, you know, I try and turn it around a little bit. So even though your past is, you know, obviously complicated and difficult, it does help to hear your story. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. Thank you. Um, but AJ, to go back to what you were saying, you know, um, it's, 
it's a little bit of an interesting perspective because you were talking about how you were mentioning to a couple guys that um, maybe that you watched the documentary with or just that mm -hmm. you were mentioning. Just mentioning, um, but yeah. That you were having me on and the connection with love addiction. And they were like, oh, well, that's such a girl thing. So, you know, and you were asking for my reaction to that. So my honest reaction to that is, you know, that's kind of what, I've had to deal with for the last 10 years like that um people don't not that i'm looking for a pass right like but people don't want to give me a pass you know but like women don't have like an agency kind of of like if you're too young you're a vic you're you're seen as like a victim if you're too old you're seen as like a whore a mistress uh you have no reason to say oh i made a mistake and like i did the work for the last 10 years or whatever whatever it's been to say oh i made a mistake and now i've moved on and and now you know i realize that i have some issues and i've worked on love addiction and so now i can you know, be on their show to talk about love addic addiction. And it's not even about the Tiger Woods thing, but I'm on your show because of this and this, that, you know, and the other right. thing. But so it gives me a little bit of, I guess, anger is the, is the mm -hmm. feeling I felt when you said that. Um, because, um, because people don't like to give me a chance, you know, and it, and it, it upsets me. Yeah. It's my I mean, people, passion. well, no, because that's, which, which is why I, well, I, that's not why I brought it up to upset you. No, I no, it up. <laughs> no, I'm no because of the fact that no, because I, I, I had to then snap them off and say, yeah, you had to defend me. guys, I'm a love addict. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, there is no, you know, love knows no boundaries. Totally. Love knows no color, no gender. No, no, I get no it. Nothing. I'm just reacting right now because I feel like in um but that's because they're I not educated like I, feel, I always feel like i have to either be defended or I, I have to defend myself because exactly whether or not it's about the hbo documentary why i did it why i was in that relationship right if i'm someone's mistress why i'm talking about love addiction it's just an exhausting place to be in right of course and totally. unfortunately you know like even to every time day, you do do that, Rachel, you're educating somebody because they don't well, yeah. obviously that's know, why I'm right? Here. Yeah, right. One, per one person Even at a time, right? Totally, one girl. Yes. And one every time piece. I do something like this, I know it touches people because people, people will listen to different podcasts I've been on, Heather McDonald's or Dr. Drews, and they'll come up to me in the street and they'll be like, "I heard you, and I love you, and I'm, I'm, I want to yes. hear more from you." And just to hear Dr. Drew's like wife, like totally, like I heard the, your whole interview, and it, it was very inspiring. You know, it's like you, people only want to hear what they want to hear. Totally. Right, and yeah, and like for me, like both myself and Renee are both fathers. We both have girls. A AJ, that's me. Duh. Renee's daughter is nine. My two girls are eight and three. And the concept of explaining love in a relationship terrifies me as a father right now, right, right now. And they're eight and three, but I yeah. know that at I some point, yeah, at some point the conversation is going to be had. And fortunately within our house, there is a lot of love there. My, my wife and I have been through hell and back together. I've put her through the ringer with my shit and she's still here. And I mean, she deserves every award under the freaking moon. Um, but 
again, you know, what you're doing is educating so many people and what you're doing, even though it may not seem like it in the moment, but the more you talk about it, the more healing you will continue to do. And that's what I've seen happen even in, in the last 10 minutes, like right. your whole demeanor and everything. There's a, there's a drive that's in you. I can see it in your eyes, even though I'm looking at a screen, there's a drive in you that is, look, like you said, <laughs> it's the past. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Yes. Did it happen? Absolutely. It happened, but it doesn't define who I am today. It is, it is also important since we're talking about it, that uh, when, when Janet and I broke up and I can't say too much because of a postnuptial agreement, I have to tread lightly, but the truth is uh, I had to really work hard on, on loving myself because it turns out not everyone's going to like me, you know, mm -hmm. and especially with her, it, it, uh, her huge fans just, sided with her and believed everything, whatever. And it's okay. But thank God today I have a good opinion of who I am. And some people are going to have opinions and there's nothing we could do about it. You know, there's keyboard warriors. You could post something on YouTube of baby bunnies and then you'll get the person that says baby bunnies are stupid. I want to <laughs> kill them. It's just the world we live in, yeah. you know? So I really hope you're able to continue your healing to where, you know what? So what? Some, some people are going to have their own feelings. Most of them are projected, which is true. And you know that a lot of them, it's their own misery. Totally. So, yeah. No, I know that. But what, what's, what I, the reason why I do this is because the position I'm in and like you, the reason why I'm assuming all of you guys do this is that you know that what you're talking about resonates with most Americans and that, um, people that listen to this don't go through what you guys go through on such a, a, a big, you know, large, uh, you know, mass, you know, media level, Platform, but they yeah. go through it in their own homes and their own neighborhoods and their own lives. And um, they deal with that stuff in their own heads and they deal with their own addictions and their own gossip within their own family or their own neighborhoods and they don't know how to deal with it and when they listen to you guys talk about your addictions or your own things that whatever it is you talk about on your um mm -hmm. podcast they identify with it and they they understand what you're talking about and when people hear me talk about my trauma or my relationships or the things that i go through i know people are associating themselves with me and i know that people are like i get her because i I have people that come up to me and, and I know that they get it. So this quick, is why quick, I continue on. Quick yeah. question. Quick, quick question. I was just going to say. Um, so if you had asked me the day before we learned that Michael Jackson died, if you had asked me how I was, how I would react, I would have told you I'd be sad, you know, but it, that's in my past and I, I don't think anything. But when I heard Wolf Blitzer, say, Michael Jackson is dead, I just started sobbing. So not to get too personal, but when you heard of this accident, did what kind of reaction did you have, if you don't mind mentioning it with us? Um, when I heard, I was in the middle of the street with my daughter and my phone started like going kind of crazy, you know, nuts. Yeah. And Blowing I was up. like, what's the problem, you know? And, uh, so my, I 
physically had a reaction because I knew there was a problem because everybody started calling my phone. And, um, you know, physically I had a reaction. I felt a little bit sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said to my daughter, we have to go home. And I stopped what we were doing. And I, d- I did cut short what we were do- doing. And I went home to come and watch what was happening on the news. What does your, um, does your daughter know? Any, have you talked to your daughter openly about all of this or? I have because she's eight going on, you know, 30. 30. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And um, even though I would have liked to not talk to her about it, I mean, she's um, much more aware of everything. So, you know, um, and she had her own comments about it, you know, when we were watching it on, on television. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have my own thoughts about the situation. And of course, you know, I, I, I feel, um, how would I put it? I feel concerned about, um, his, um, health. And, but the thing is, is, you know, if you watch the documentary, um, I think that you'd be well aware of how I feel about it, which is that he was human to begin with. And the media built him up to be more than human. And, um, you know, they sort of really were creating him, you know, in the coverage they gave in the last couple of days, they made it seem like the whole, you know, his whole life was over now. Um, so I, I did make a statement or two yesterday or whenever the whole thing happened. And I just said, I really caution the media, you know, and, and I, I always say this in the absence of truth, you know, people just go on and on about with this narration and they create mm-hmm. fake, right. you know, this, this just fake story, which is the reason why I really chose to speak after 10 years. And I did the HBO documentary. Mm-hmm. It was really important for me because in the absence of truth, they had created these shackles around me and really created this story that wasn't true. And I felt the need to speak once and for all, just say, I didn't need to give the whole story, but I just wanted to say, hold up, like, let me just say a few things here. Yeah, I was going to um, say hats off to you for doing that because again, like you said, you know, in some in some cases sometimes the best answer is no answer at all, but in this particular case, you know, what you did I think was exactly right and it uh, was 10 years by the way yeah, though too, but I mean, like it's you know, not like being able being able to really see it from your perspective, the right like the non-media add-on way, the actual from the horse's mouth mm-hmm. yeah. is when When everyone is wanted better. to be part of the story and keep telling exactly. my side of the story. And I was like, just, no, let me just say it. Yeah. For, you know, and, and let me tell the, the important parts that if you're going to tell the story, let me at least say a little bit yeah. Yeah. of what let, I want to say. So you can you. narrate yeah. the rest. But, I just want to say one last thing really, really, really quick. Um, sure. What you just said about you and your daughter uh, also hats off to you because, you know, my, my, my oldest is eight and, you know, she's sharp as a freaking tack. And, you know, she was a little confused as to why every day at 430 daddy goes outside and he gets on his meeting, quote unquote, she doesn't, under, you know, she did, she didn't understand. Now that I've, I've sat her down and I've told her and I've talked to her because in the back of my mind, I'm like, 
at some point she's going to be on YouTube. She's going to type in daddy's name and God forbid the one video that TMZ got of me shit faced roofied coming out of a club is going to pop up. So I'd much rather her know ahead of time. This is why daddy looks like that Mm -hmm. because daddy has a problem before she finds out on her own. And so hats off to you for being a great mom and sitting your daughter down and saying, look, you know what? This is the deal. Um, Before she hears it from her friends or that, or she looks it up, you know, because again, kids, kids have been stuck at home now, right? All of our kids and you know, all of us are stuck at home with, you know, it's either kids are on YouTube or they're playing freaking Roblox, whatever the hell it is. You know, yeah, oh my she god. You should go work for Roblox, God forbid, yeah. because oh. this thing in and out. I mean Oh yeah. Oh no. We should all in invest in Roblox. No I'm kidding. <laughs> is there is, do you wish like I'm trying to word this right, but do you wish that you could say something uh or reach out or um I don't know. What have would closure you say? with Tiger yeah. or um what would you know, say? I mean I, I think um I definitely think that that there are people in my life that I need to have closure with that I have not had closure with. And that prevents me from um, moving on in my life. I think Mm -hmm. that's a really great question. And I think I think about that exact question a lot. Like when I'm in the shower, when I go to sleep at night, it is a very good question that is on my mind a lot. It's It's a very valid question. Yeah. I, I have to say this. Some of the people I admire the most are people that have been through a lot and are still here standing, right? Because I joke around and say, whatever little bit of wisdom I have is from doing stupid stuff. You know what I mean? And that's what we learn from. So the thing is, we all have our past, right? And I think part of what's important for us is to be able to walk through the fire that's where the freedom is you know we can't just try to convince people it didn't happen you know it happened yes it did i made mistakes i'm not a mistake and i think that 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 is where the healing is which leads me to say now i understand why they've picked you to take over the the podcast right aren't you going to be doing oh, yeah. Um, yeah intimate great knowledge? segue <laughs> no, because listen, who do you like to listen to, Cheryl? People that have been oh, through people it. with people who've been through it. Like who've I'm not going to listen done to that and yeah, are still exactly. standing. I've always, I've you. always said, like you get your best knowledge when you're at the bottom. Totally. And I, can, and I can say I've been at the top, and that's great. And everyone likes to be at the top, but I have been at the bottom and I do not want to take advice from anyone who hasn't been at the bottom. That's because that person not know anything. And, um, those are the only people that I want like to listen to because they know it because they know how to get out of that hole. Totally. um, So you're taking over for intimate knowledge. Is that right? For iHeart, right? Yeah. So I'm going to be, um, yeah, hosting for intimate knowledge. And I cannot wait to, to, um, co-host with those guys. And we are going to be talking about relationships and, 
um, what it's like to do um, online dating, which I seem to be really great, great at. Um, I consider myself now a relationship expert at online dating. Um, and um, I, I actually think that in the modern age, um, a relationship expert doesn't mean you have to be like living um, with a white picket fence and be married anymore because people are no longer doing that shit. It's like being in a relationship where you have like almost an arrangement is, is actually what modern day dating is because you really know what you want and you've created an arrangement, whether that means you're going out on a date and that's the end of that. And you've gone out to dinner and you get along and you just have, but again, those are the experts. Or, yeah. or you figured it out so that you're, you know, in love and you get married. Well, great. But like online dating is like right now the place to be because you, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And, um, so, um, I'll be tuning know, in. We're going to have some great conversations and we're going to talk a lot about, um, you know, uh, what, why people cheat and why people um, have been in those kind of relationships, why people stay. Um, and, the, you know, I have obviously a lot to, to talk about and, um, and, and uh, I cannot wait to, to, uh, to have those kind of conversations. So I hope you guys will listen. Oh, but um, Totally. I've been, it's been so great to talk to you guys. And, and yeah. one thing I just wanted to touch on that we, we were talking about a little bit before is that the one thing that I did learn from doing all this um, recovery was that I had missed out on learning what unconditional love was. So I thought that getting credibility from having a successful or a famous man next to me was going to give me that credibility. So this is why I chose to end up dating somebody um, famous, I guess. And when that person, uh, everyone else wanted to be with them and they were like, I pick Rachel. I thought I must be loved. I must be worthy. I must be. It's very understandable. That, that must make me lovable. Right. And that gave me self-worth. And um, that's what I learned from, from all the therapy and all the rehabs. And that was like, all, all the worthwhile, right? And I can see, you know, I don't know you at all, AJ, but I can imagine a similar scenario, like you're on stage and everyone wants you and thinks you're the greatest and, you know, you're up there singing, but you leave the stage and you go home and you're, you know, you are missing out, you know, you know, you are then you, and you have all those feelings that you are back to you. And I cannot imagine what would make you become, you know, a, a drug user or whatever your drug of choice is. I don't know anything about you. And, um, but I can only imagine what set you on a different path from being this icon to people was that within you, you were not, you, you were unfulfilled because yes. you were not that person up on stage and you were so worried um, about whoever was missing on the inside was not the same person everyone put on a pedestal up on the stage. Right. And um, you know, to the one person that was looking at you who was take, asking you to take out the trash or whatever, um, you know, and yeah. um, so true. Like, all, I would and, literally... and this is why we're all the same person. Everyone is just yeah. dying to feel loved. And, you know, that's what makes us the same to everyone that's listening to the podcast. You know, everyone yeah, just I wants have, to be loved and you're just you're you're fearing that everyone's going to leave you once they figure out who you really are. You exactly. Know? And yes. you know what's funny is now now the people that are in my life now that I've been sober for almost 14 months, 
And I've been in this program for over 20 years and I've never been able to get it right. And something finally clicked and I finally hit my bottom and I finally realized, okay, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't want to lose my wife. I don't want to lose my kids. I don't want to lose my job. Um, you know, I don't want to end up in jails or inst or inst institutions anymore. Like I, I mean, I didn't go to jail, but still it could have went there, but I, but I know now that the people that are still in my life today, the ones that are actually in my life are the ones that stuck around after I got my shit together. Those are the ones that, that I want to be in my life. Well, those are the ones that matter. Those are the ones that matter. And I know that my self-worth is not defined by anyone outside of the person inside. Yeah. And I brother. Love, I love that's what you're saying right now. And I love that because it's true. It doesn't matter. I could have th the number one supermodel on my arm totally. and that doesn't mean shit. It doesn't because if I'm not good, it doesn't matter who's on my arm and I got lucky and found the most amazing, normal woman who is my my queen. And it's like, and you know, and at the end of the day, when I get off stage now, I know who I'm going home to. I know my comfort zone now. Well, AJ. And, you know what I mean? I'm calling you AJ, but it, early in sobriety, when he really decided to be in the program, he asked people to call him Alex. Yeah. Right. So he said, I've been AJ. Uh, AJ's this alter ego. And I still have a hard time calling you Alex because you introduced yourself to me as AJ tw over 20 years ago. So I yeah. still call you AJ. But almost everyone else, in, almost everyone else in your sphere, though, calls you Alex. Yeah. And I love what you said, Rachel, taking out the trash. That is that is has nothing to do with what you do for a living, how much money you have in your bank account is being humble enough to take out your own trash. Which I do. Yeah, wash your own dishes. Gladly. Wipe your own, wipe your own ass. I mean. Which <laughs> I still do until I can't anymore. Um, so Rachel is going to guest host on Intimate Knowledge this Monday. Give it a click. Give it a listen. It's going to be epic. Um, my God, this was such a such a great, a great time. I could sit and talk to you for hours. You, you, yeah, I mean. And just know we do get you. We're, oh, we're, we we're not those yeah. faceless voices from who knows where they hang out, miserable people. Yeah. We get you. We understand. We all make mistakes. We're not mistakes. So much respect for you, Rachel. And You're respect. part of the squad now, Respect, man. respect, respect. Welcome to the family. Totally. You're part of the yeah. squad now. Let's Pretty nice, that family. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys Thank you, so honey. much. I really, really appreciate um, being on your show. And I um, really am so honored to have been uh, speaking to you guys tonight. So thank you so much. Thank Our pleasure. You, and hopefully we'll cross paths uh, not through a laptop. We can all see each other down the road. Cause, yeah. you know, I hope so. I hope yes. so. All right. Cheers. Bye. Ciao. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, oh, and catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So, you know, Rachel has really shed a lot of light on on my on my perception of sex and love addiction in the sense of, you know, people there are people out there that hate her Mm -hmm. for what she did. And yet, again, there's this there's this stigma, I feel, that's attached to sex and love addiction. You know, sex is already a taboo thing. You know, and so, and it's an uncomfortable thing for some people. Well, with women and sex, especially. Yes. You know, it's, it's this uncomfortable thing to talk about and it's, it's gross and it's this, it's that where like, yes, but you could say the same thing about sticking a needle in your arm and shooting up smack. You see, here's, but let's talk about men and women and sex though. Actually, like women are sex addicts or love addicts and they're sluts or they're Whatever, but then a man's a sex and love addict and they get props. So I think, Cheryl, I think that that hatred that's talked about, if we if we just speak about it without taking sides, right? Like, mm-hmm. I understand addiction. I understand doing things that go against your own constitution. I understand being driven by something, like for her self-validation. And, you know, if you think about it, here you are suffering from the loss of your fiance you're suffering from the loss of your dad to drug addiction Mm -hmm. and then suddenly the number one hero figure on the planet is looking towards you right Mm -hmm. so the part that i think that people personalize and 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 attack her is because they imagine their relationship like wait you would have stepped on my relationship you would have slept with knowingly slept with my husband knowing that he's married i mean obviously that's where the animosity comes from right, right? but but, but we also we're not giving like 
like how about the other side like it, it was two well, takes two hundred percent i and and i agree with you and mm-hmm. he definitely also got dragged through the mud right there's no question he didn't get off easily no. even to this day he's he was making a comeback before the accident and i think that I'm, I'm just saying that the reason I think people become very impassioned towards how they feel about her is because they put themselves in mm-hmm. the situation where their partner uh, would cheat on them and knowing the other person knowingly would actually step in. That's just if you look at it from that point of view. Totally. Like I There's said, so many different perspectives. Yeah. From my perspective, it's easy to see she was lost. She mm, was lost in her totally. addiction. She was looking yes. for validation. I get all that. Pa- all that part. I'm just saying, yeah, just simply that that passion, that hate that comes is Mm -hmm. the same kind of hate I got when, when fear, it's all fear based, right? Everything is fear based. Like we're just like living, you know, kind of like if that, you know, I could actually think like that. And then all of a sudden I have weird feelings. If, you know, she were to ruin, let's say my marriage or thinking like that, but really rip someone's eyes out. Of course. So there's insecurity and fear, fear there. But I think that at the end of the day, again, like I don't know if I see where her anger is coming from as well, but at the end of the day, only we can please ourselves. Only we can validate ourselves, but that's a lot of work. I think it is a lot of work. I think the anger is also, it's even more so frustration because again, if, if people knew, if she was an open book like she is today, then, and was able to say, well, I'm not using this as an excuse, but X, Y, Z happened to me. This, this, this happened to me. This is what I've learned. Maybe some people I don't, might have a different perception, but all, I don't they know knew was, yeah. all they knew was, okay, she was with this certain celebrity, blah, 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 blah. He was married. That's all they knew. That's no, all no, they but knew. I, I don't think on her side, though, I don't know if it's her being an open book or her just being more educated at the fact that she is now admitting that she is an addict of yeah, love and she's sex. she's been able right? to connect the dots. And I think also, again, if we get back to this, the, the haters club, is that Tiger had falsely created an image of himself of a superhero, right, that was untouchable like he he was a family guy he did this he did that and including myself you know when he got toppled there was this like oh my god it, it's it's uh, Rachel's name got attached to him being toppled as opposed to the fairness of it which is he was doing this all over town yeah right. you know what i mean he was and and like i said i think i think 100% i will never say that it's not unfair. I think it's a double standard. I yeah. think the woman ends up getting the short end of the stick Agreed. by far, and it's not fair. Uh, but you're absolutely right, Cheryl. I mean, you know, he played a huge part in it. You know, <laughs> he used his, he used his, and her vulnerability, awesomeness mm-hmm. to lure her to 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 melt her into doing something that into the void. She, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. look, she's she she admits she. It's not like she's proud of what she did. No. Right. Yes. She's not proud. She she wished it hadn't happened. But I wish so, that Tiger would come out and say that as well. You know, like think about the work, right? Like just having to admit. Like obviously, I'm not diagnosing anybody, but you know, it does help to talk about this, and I'm grateful for anyone who is willing to really admit it, see it, and then talk about it. It's well, so I mean, hard. Who, 
no one knows if he has talked to anyone, maybe not publicly. No, but but, but no. to but Cheryl's to, point. But to say it publicly, I think, would be a good healing, healing. process. But I agree with well. Cheryl. I love the way how smooth Cheryl just invited him to be on the podcast. Yes. That was, that was Come on, he's my Kung Filipino fu. brother. Let's go. Come that on. was yeah. some kung fu, boy. That was some, <laughs> that was some freaking uh, Argentine <laughs> tango kung fu right That's there. That's just some yeah. Filipino. He gets it. Like, no, oh. he totally gets it. But yeah, I mean, look, th- this has been another great episode, another great so educational conversation. You guys, um, this stuff has been going on since before the Egyptians, humans. you guys. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm telling you, some caveman Dinosaurs. somewhere was looking for validation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then stepped out on his cave It's all woman. his fault. I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He was hanging out with that saber-toothed tiger and whatever. Adam and Eve, whatever the hell. That's more bestiality. That's a whole other conversation. Oh, gosh. No, but love hurts. We all know this. But um, love is also... Yeah, I don't know why that's been in my head like for like the last 20 minutes. Is that song? I don't know why I thought I could just sing Love Hurts. hurts. Yeah. So anyways, you guys, thank you all for tuning in. Um, Don't forget to hit that subscribe (laughs) button. Give us five, five stars, please. Um, and, uh, we cannot wait to, uh, see and hear you all next week. And, uh, another good episode, another good episode. And we will definitely talk, talk to you guys about our amazing golf experience, bringing Sherbert out to Sherwood country club. So, uh, until then you guys stay safe. God bless. And, uh, we'll see you soon. Follow pretty messed up on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.